Welcome to another episode of the County Business Sports Podcast, where we'll be covering the great and the good from the world of sport and, and business as well. Um, well, from foot golf to fencing, from wakeboarding to weightlifting and everything in between, we'll be sure to cover it and asking guests what makes them tick and why business and sport go hand in hand. The podcast is sponsored by James Ross Jewellers, family jewellers in Sussex for generations. Now, I couldn't obviously do this podcast alone, so I'm delighted to introduce, as always, my special guest, the sports expert himself, sports editor of SBT, our very own Stato, Lawrence Elphick. Good to see you, mate. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? You all right? Very well. Good to be back in here. Oh, no, this is your happy place, isn't it? It certainly is, my friend. It certainly yes. is. And great to have you with me and our, our special guest, which I will let you introduce. Yes. Delighted to welcome along today. Um, we're joined by Sadie Mason, MBE. Got to add on the MBE. Um, <laughs> we're proud to have you in the, in the studio, Sadie. Um, got a background of, of basketball, which we're going to talk mm -hmm. about, and you're also obviously the chief executive of Active Sussex. Yep. So we'll come on to that. So you're welcome to... Uh, Thank to, you. Uh, lovely to have you here. Thank you. Um, if we start just by asking you about... Because um, I'm intrigued. We'll, we'll start talking about basketball. I've got mm -hmm. to confess, I mean, Sam's given me a great introduction, but I have not got a great deal of knowledge about basketball. Um, but I'm interested to find out. It's unusual to, to find someone who's as, as, if you'll pardon the pun, proactive with basketball as mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about how it all started, how it began, and, and oh go goodness. back. Because I mean, I you know I'm aware that you were you were involved in basketball at an early age. So tell me. Very 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 early age. Um, I started out at secondary school. So I started out as a netball player, a bit of hockey, a bit of athletics, as you do. Um, and then our teacher, I think it was our geography teacher, introduced us to basketball. Um, so I went to an all-girls school, so I thought, well, this is a bit strange, basketball. Anyway, I, we just loved it. We just took to it like ducks to water. So the whole netball team basically became a school basketball team. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, within a year, we were competing um, against the boys in Newham, where I'm from, in London, um, because no other girls' schools played basketball. So we had to play against the boys' teams that were one year younger than us. Um, we weren't allowed to win the leagues, but wow. we did really well. So I continued playing. Um, we had a teacher who spotted a couple of us, really, um, and wanted us to sort of progress to play for Newham because the London Youth Games was a big thing at the time and still is. Um, at Crystal Palace. And so that was a real draw coming out of East London, thinking you're going to go and play at Crystal mm. Palace. Um, so we represented Newham, quite a few of us, and the coach of Newham spotted a couple of us and asked us if we wanted to go and play National League with them in central London. How so old were you? 14. So... Uh, with the, with the, just <coughs> interesting, with the, with the netball at school then, mm. and then you... You, obviously the netball team and started to play basketball. Did you still play netball? Or we did. did. You, so we you, did. you'd play both. Yeah, the skills um, are totally transferable, although with basketball it is, well, netball is not in contact as well, but yeah. basketball, you're obviously, you can shoot, you can defend, whereas yeah. netball is, is one or the other, yeah, really. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but with basketball, it's a fast-paced game, as is netball. They're yeah. just different. Yeah. Um, but it just meant that everybody was involved. Yeah, sure. And it was just fantastic to see people of different skill levels, heights, sizes. It was so inclusive yeah. that uh, everybody could play it. 
Um, and I think that's what really attracted me to it, to be honest, because I wasn't a very good hockey player. Um, I was OK at netball. Why is that? Why were you a good hockey player? <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to see me play golf, put it that way. <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> yeah. Less said about hockey, the better, probably. I wasn't very good at it. Um, but I was a, a reasonable athlete. I, I got to um, county standard. I, I was with UMN Essex Beagles um, and a junior, <clears throat> not a junior champion, but I can remember running, certainly, at Crystal Palace against the likes of Cathy Smallwood, who you may or may not remember. Yeah, yeah. She was one of the fastest women going yeah, yeah. at the time. And I remember being in the three A's with her and, yeah, Watching her heels, obviously, because I was behind her. But um, for me, I was covered a, in dust. Yeah, <laughs> cinder tracks back then, yeah. um, <laughs> showing my age. Um, but I think for me, basketball—it was the inclusivity of it. And to be honest, it was played indoors. So I was never going to get wet, yeah. you know, yeah. as, as you do at, at um, um, athletics training. So yeah, I went from playing basketball in school to basketball for the for the um, Newham. Um, and then suddenly being introduced to the world of Women's National League basketball. Did so, you know you were good? Did you know you were a good player? Um, only when I actually started playing National League, although I sat on the bench for right. quite a lot of the time, I could see that I'd developed the skills quite quickly mm. and really enjoyed it and was a good defensive player. I was this height when I was 11, so I was considered tall. <laughs> How tall are you? I'm five foot five and a bit, <laughs> or five foot six. Right. Um, and so I was uh, one of these players that could play inside or out. Well, that quickly changed because I stopped growing. And um, <laughs> I stayed as a point guard, basically, right. an outside shooter or someone who could drive to the hoop. But, yeah, I was introduced to the world of central London, dragged me out of uh, East London. I played and coached at the London YMCA, um, which is now a fitness centre. But at the time, um, had a fantastic basketball court, fantastic teacher. I worked on a Saturday morning teaching kids basketball, which gave me the pocket money to enable me to play um, National League. Right. So... Yeah, I developed like that, really. And then, you know, the whole world of England trials started. So I played at under 15, under 17, under 19 level. And that got me travelling around Europe. Um, I was the England under 19 captain. Um, I went to university. And next thing you know, I'm at the World University Games in Edmonton. So, in Canada. In Canada. Yeah, yeah. So I'd literally gone within that five-year span from playing local league basketball to captain, captain in the GB team at the World University Games and that was wow. an awesome experience in 1983 where you could almost call it a junior Olympics because a lot of the Olympic athletes, um, for example the USA teams that we saw in 83 and 85 were the Olympic squads. They were actually in college because then the Olympic squads were college players, they weren't yeah. the professionals that we have now and so you know I had my eyes opened up fantastically to just the world of athletics, basketball, everything. It was like a mini Olympics. It was incredible. Wow. Mm. That's amazing. I guess like that, your mindset and focus around that, and what was that like at a young age to be travelling, like you say, travelling around Europe and going you to You certainly um, get to see different cultures. You yeah. get to understand that the world does not revolve around Plashet School in Newham. Yeah. Um, different cultures, different ways of life, because I was at university for four years, and that meant I got to go to the World University Games um, three times because they're every two years. So yeah. I went in 83, 85, and then 87. Wow. So 83 was Canada, uh, 85 was Japan. That was 
awesome. We were in Kobe. Yeah. And 87 was in Croatia, Zagreb. Wow. Yeah, former Yugoslav Republic yeah, before yeah. it split. So, you know, in 87, we were just watching the likes of um, Drazen Petrovic, who was an NBA star from their country. Wasn't quite the star at the time, but um, he certainly developed into one. Unfortunately, yeah. um, died quite young um, at age of 30 before he really became uber famous Um, but yes he did play in the NBA and you know I just sort of look back on those times I think I can't believe I was sitting watching him playing as a student Um, so sport can take you on a huge huge journey a real eye-opener just meeting different people and the friends I've made back then in 85 I'm literally still playing masters basketball with two of them I love that. We, we spoke a little bit about that on, the, on a previous podcast about the how great it is for you know as a as a child to get into sport. I'm, my twins are six, and I'm encouraging them. I'd love to get them to get mm. into sport just because the same with me. Like I played football most of my adult life, uh-huh. um, and I'm still friends with. I've stopped playing at that level when I was sort of thirty or whatever, but. I'm still friends with them. We had a reunion a couple of weeks ago with Thames Media who I used to wow. play with and um and you know, just we're still on a WhatsApp group and still keeping contact. So like you say, there's them friendships you've been yeah, you built up them. over the years are, mm. are, are amazing and I think mm. and that's such a that's so valuable that you can take that into any walk into business, mm. into life, whatever yeah. it looks like. Exactly. Them, sort of, them social skills is is yeah. it's incredible. It's really. incredible. I mean I, I really you know, those those three trips alone really sort of made me feel that, you know, there's a lot more to life than what people maybe think yeah. and that you can really reach your goals and really go for it if you really train hard. Yeah. And um, in between 83 and 85 was my first senior England cap and my first GB cap that as was a when senior. That 20? Yeah. yeah. And um, I went to Cuba never in my life would I have got on a plane to go to Cuba (laughs) (laughs) because I I wouldn't even have known to do so Um, and that was the pre-Olympic tournament and a fantastic experience you know just seeing the way um, people in Cuba lived um, worked what the political ethos was at the time Mm -hmm. how sport was really was really was educational that's all I can say really it's fantastic so it's opened your eyes up Mm -hmm. in more ways than one yeah definitely I didn't realise, I looked up, I didn't realise that basketball is the second largest Largest. sport in Mm -hmm. terms of participation. Yep, it's the second largest sport worldwide. Worldwide, that is. Yep, the governing body as well. It's the second largest governing body to FIFA, so FIBA. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. It's extraordinary to think that. The number one, presumably, is football. Yes. Yeah. 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 Is, is that if you'd said cricket or really? Yeah. I might this. Yeah. Is that because maybe because it's such a huge game in the states? Is that potentially? It's a huge game in the states, but it's also yeah. a huge game in Eastern Europe yeah. and in South America, um, Australia. It's yeah. it's bigger than what we would know as yeah. a as I would say as a Commonwealth nation. Yeah. Um, we don't look really beyond your Commonwealth sports nothing wrong with that you know your cricket your rugby your um, netball things like that that we excel in because those are sports that we exported amongst the commonwealth but everybody else is playing football and basketball (laughs) and ice hockey and all the other sports that people can socially engage in because it doesn't cost shed loads yeah because I I I I can see where you're coming from with that because I I was really surprised. I was at um, a school a few weeks ago um, in, in Sussex 
and they said to me that probably their biggest sport really surprised me was netball. Mm-hmm. And it was really surprised me. So I think, and you forgive me for saying that, I think in this country, um, like you said, Sam, in the States and Eastern European countries, basketball is a massive, massive mm. event. Mm. And I, I think I, I, it doesn't ever seem to have really, really properly taken off mm. to reach those levels no. in this country. I remember, and forgive me for waffling for a minute, but I remember here in Brighton many, many years ago, there was a big thing made at the time they were called the Brighton Bears. That's right. And they had, um, they paid... Ex- Dennis Rodman. Thank you. <laughs> Dennis Rodman came over and played one game. Yeah. You know, famous from... Yeah, the, yeah from, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Famous from that sort of... Chicago Bulls. Chicago yeah, Bulls, you know, the Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. Yeah. Is it Charles Barkley? No. But, uh, Who's that? Is that the singer? <laughs> That's, that's Miles Barkley. There is Charles Barkley, but he didn't play for Chicago. Oh, okay. Uh, so you know, so it, was a, it was a basketball player called yes. Charles Barkley. Oh, yeah, we're yeah, okay. No. I'll let you off oh, this. Oh, <laughs> what are you singers for? Charles Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> Taxi for one. Uh, right, no. Um, no, and, and, and Dennis Rodman came over here for one game mm. with the, with the you know, got paid an extortion amount of money. Funnily mm. enough, the Brighton Bears went out of business. Because probably because of spending too much money. How long ago was that then? When did he? Oh my god. That's gotta be, I reckon that's about twenty years over twenty really? over twenty years you ago. You think? Gosh. Yeah, because I worked at the radio station. I then. think it I think so. it was, because I think I'd just moved down from yeah. Glasgow and I can remember it being uh, you know a, big a thing. Because yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. now it's um, now the, the local one, I mean I'm probably gonna get slated for this, but I'm the Big one is is Worthing Thunder. Yeah, um, okay. they're probably the most high profile one. But again, yeah. again, basketball just just. I mean, I suppose where I'm going with this is to ask you about how basketball has changed in this country mm. for the women's game as well as the men's. I think. think? Um, well, I mean, I came through the era in in the eighties when basketball was huge. Yeah. Um, Maybe not huge like football, but for basketball, you know, sponsored by Carlsberg and and yeah. things like that, where you had your finals at Wembley Arena, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, I can remember playing at Wembley. Gosh, wow. that was a long time ago. <laughs> Twice, I think. Wow. Um, and when it was on television with Channel Four covering it, I can remember running home from um, athletics practice to get home to see it on Channel Four at eight oh, o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that it's very, very difficult to promote. I think there is a lot of factors in this country that will stop it growing. Sometimes it's um, political interests even, not political as in political party, right. but the people that are involved in the game right. and you know the self-interests and things. Yeah. And you'll find this a lot with governing bodies of sport where there are particular factions that just don't get on and, and see the game differently. And I think that, um, you know, if you think about what's the uh, what's the thing? I'm trying to think about in 2012 when we had, when we hosted the Olympics and you needed to have a GB team and we didn't have a GB team really uh, because the way FIBA had changed all the qualifications and we had to bring the four countries together. Um, and I think that happened in football as well. We, didn't have, we don't have a GB yeah, football team, yeah, do we? No, that's right. Um, and to bring all the governing bodies together to, for the good of the sport 
it's, it's difficult because, because of the people, because of the people involved and because of the, the lack of an overarching vision for the game in the country that to the outside investor, if we're talking business, yeah, yeah. the outside investor wants to see the sport. They want to see the different levels. They don't care about the governance in there. Well, they do because yeah. obviously they're investing. But they want to see a united sport. They want to see people they can go to and trust that are going to deliver the goods. So if yeah. you're going to invest multi-million pounds, you want to know that that investment is going to deliver either the television viewers or the market you're trying to get into, yeah, yeah. you know, whether it's children and their families, whatever. Yeah. Investors want to see a united sport. And I think in this country, there's too many fractures. And I think that's probably why the sport hasn't developed as rapidly as it could do. Okay. Because it either doesn't have the expertise to market the game or to market it at different levels. So grassroots, elite, show, mm. showcase. So showcase to me is like when the NBA comes to town and plays exhibition games. Yeah. Yeah. Do we do that? No. Yeah. Um, bringing together the four home nations to really sort of say, well, you know, if there's something good happening in England, Scotland will promote it as well. If there's something good happening in Scotland, we'll promote it as well because it's basketball yeah. and that's how it ought to be it shouldn't matter actually who the governing body in each country is right. it should just be a single be single front, clear yeah, yeah. united front yeah. and yeah. i think that's what the sport suffers from okay but it has improved over the years i think i think the levels have gone up and down they would say that in the 80s it was you know showmanship a lot of the right. american players yeah. big influence etc cetera, etc cetera. and then in the say late 90s 2000s european influx a lot of european players right. because obviously with the bosman rule everybody yeah. in europe could play and yeah. you could work anywhere yeah. you wanted within europe so yeah. you saw a different style of game coming okay. in um I was just watching some NBA last night and they talked about um, a particular person, a particular move, and they call it a Eurostep. Well, hello, we were doing that in Europe at school. It's just a move to get around a defender. You take two steps. <laughs> yeah. You change direction while you do it. So it's not a straight move to the basket. You right. step one way and step the other. Yeah. And the Americans call it the Eurostep. Oh, well, yeah. um, that's an influence of Europe on America. Yeah. We were doing it ages ago. but. I was going to say, that's, that, that, you do that move on the dance floor. There you right? go. I do on a, on a Saturday night, mate. You yeah, want to see my Eurostep? Euro <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's called the Eurostep. No. Though, no, it's certainly but, not, mate. Um, Drunk step. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. <laughs> so, Sorry. He's he, 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 he my dance moves, though. Yeah. yeah. So I think the game has, has changed. I don't know about um, improved. I think it's changed. Um, I think it can be marketed better, definitely. The women's game, I think, um, again, up and down. Um, we had quite a push at Basketball England to get all girls playing. We had all girls ambassadors, etc. And then COVID hit, and so the momentum sort of died down. Yeah. Um, but the market that is there, because the women's team have been successful in Europe, you know, they almost qualified for the last Olympics. Right. So, yeah, I okay. think there's a lot of potential in the game. I know. I mean, we'll get on to what you what you do now with Active Sussex. We'll mm. get on to that in a bit, but. Do you, the way you've been talking there, and, and it's, it's, you obviously have an extraordinary knowledge of the game because you've been involved for so long. Hmm. Um, would someone like, <laughs> I've got to phrase this carefully, would you see your, could you see yourself in the future being at that level with basketball where you try and influence? I'm getting there. 
I'm on the board of Basketball England. Yeah. I'm about to be appointed to the board of the British Basketball Federation, okay. so GB Basketball. Amazing, yeah. So my strength really is from my financial and governance background, yeah. which complements the sport. Yeah, yeah. But my view has always been if the governing body is seen to be a collective force with a collective vision and um, strong governance, so people are sure that when they're investing their funds, it is going to deliver what we say it's going to deliver. Okay. Um, that's where I want our sport to be, to be trustworthy, to be an exciting game that everyone can play at all levels and yeah. to be inclusive because, um, you know, I can remember way back and I've seen quotes and I, I can't say that I personally heard anybody say this, but it's an American sport. A lot of the Americans that came over were GIs, white, black, whatever. Um, and a couple of the England teams that we had touring were all white. And I've still had comments now to me saying, you know, your GB teams look a bit white. Um, and I guess that's just the nature of the game sometimes. It is inclusive, but when you get to a certain level, you have to pay to represent your country. You know, I can remember under 15, under 17, under 19 level, having to scrimp and save to pay for my tracksuit, wow. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And that still goes on. You know, oh, really? whether, whether you're white or black, doesn't matter. You know, you, you've got to have a certain level of um, or access to funds. So we help a lot of kids with grants and things to help them to be able to play. But you'll certainly find that some of your better players are from areas of deprivation, not necessarily in the city, could be oh, rural. Okay, yeah. And they cannot get themselves to the training camps or they can't afford to stay overnight, etc. And so we have to find inventive ways to support that and I think that's actually where business can come in right. um, to support young athletes coming up because um, that's tragic isn't it when you think like, that there's there's talent out there yeah. that just purely because of you know their, their, their financial yeah, yeah their circumstance their mm. you okay. know their parents financial mm. bringing whatever that looks like just not able to, no. to fund that that's just yeah, there's, there's a lot of it still prevalent, yeah, I'm afraid. A yeah, lot of it. A, like you said, what uh, you sort of ask the question, don't you? Mm. Like from from the government, from the from the biz, from business, what what can more can, can people do, do to, to support that? Because yeah. like you say, we could have some uh, amazing players out there that are just not, just not got that access. And, and uh, I think that you know some sports do miss a trick in that they talk about um, inclusion and they talk about lifelong participation. But if you look at the lifespan of a person and you can keep them playing from cradle to grave, not that I'm suggesting basketball will kill you off, <laughs> but um, there are people in the Masters basketball setup who have made it in business and are running their own businesses and have really good connections. Yeah. And if they kept, if the governing body kept those people engaged in playing, yeah. I'm pretty sure they would support the grassroots end of the sport yeah, yeah. so you've got to be quite smart in your yeah, vision of course, of in terms of you know because they'll have grandchildren playing or they'll have kids playing at a lower mm. level and yeah. they'll want to support them in any way they can and I think it's levering in things like that as well as big business to show that actually you are a family sport you, you know if you mm. look at the models in the States, if you go to Greece anywhere like that, Greeks are fanatical about basketball really? absolutely but it's because everybody can come and watch and be involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Mm. Do you run a local ladies' team in um, Eastbourne? I don't anymore. Oh, you actually. don't anymore? Yeah, because um, 
Language. That's two strikes, three and I'm out. <laughs> if I get a third one wrong, I've got to leave. I'm making notes of these. Okay. Yeah, I know. Oh, I can you just can cross you just off Stato? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to take over this role yeah. now. So. <laughs> Eastbourne Lions. Um, and we had quite a few players that were university-based. Right. Um, and I guess once they sort of move on, the playing base goes down. So I actually now play in Brighton. So I play for Brighton Cougars. Um, okay. And that's quite interesting, sort of running up and down with kids half your age and twice your speed. Um, <laughs> but it works. Yeah. <laughs> I, I limit my activity. Um, so we play on a Monday night at okay. Dorothy Stringer School, right. just up the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this evening we've got our, a cup semi-final game actually against Tandridge and our coach is off on his holiday. So I'm going to be coaching that okay. one, oh, player nice. coach. Yeah. So that should be interesting. But the biggest thing, of course, is that you um, set up in 2015, didn't you, the GB Masters? I did, yeah. So um, GB Maxi Basketball. And this um, is for the players that are age... 35 upwards. 35 upwards. Yeah. yeah. So we started off 20, 2016, I think it was. Um, I'd been invited to a couple of tournaments in Ireland and places like that and and I really sort of enjoyed the fact that women of our age could still continue playing there was still a social aspect to it and I thought you know what we could we could do that here in the UK a bit better that's not to say that there were no masters activities going on because we, there was an annual tournament called yeah. the GB Masters yeah. um, that has been going for 25 years um, but not to the extent that it was a systematic thing whereby you could bring in lots of players that can regularly play. Yeah. So a lot of us, well, we just got together, really, and based at University of Brighton, where I am, in Falmer, we just decided to meet once a month and play. So aged 40 upwards, I think, 40 to 50-ish. And how maybe good are more. you? I don't mean you individually, I mean as a team. As the a teams team. are good um, because we expanded. We, we wanted it to be a... Com it started off as a community-based program, yeah, but yeah. we pretty much realised that there's a lot of ex-National League players right. and international players who want to still play. Mm. They've had the kids, they want to come back into the game, yeah. but the only offering from our governing body is local league or national league. And yeah. the commitment of travelling regularly for national league, week in, week out, when you have got kids yeah. um, um, and maybe not all the finance, it's, it's not quite appropriate. You need a different offer for yeah. our age group. And so we just set something up. We called ourselves Pick and Mix because we were a <laughs> mixture of, a mixture of um, ladies from all over the shop, basically. A lot of my uh, National League friends were still either in London or had moved out. There were a couple in New Zealand. Yeah. A friend of mine um, that I made or that I met here, she was from Latvia, and she had played a lot of Masters basketball. I never even knew that there was a whole world out yeah, there yeah. of Masters activity. So the programme grew, and next thing you know, my friend from Latvia said, well, why don't you enter the international Masters tournaments? And I was saying, what international Masters tournaments? So that's how I started to understand about the Federation of International Masters Basketball, yeah. FIMBA. So yeah. it's a FIBA equivalent, but for older players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, next thing you know, we're, we're preparing two ladies' teams, 40-plus and 50-plus, to play oh, in yeah. the World Masters. In Finland. So we went to Helsinki and uh, the 40 plus team were drawn against Germany and Russia. Oh. Unbelievable. Now, yeah. they were never going to get past them. They were yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I've never seen, um, I don't think I've played against Russia in my time, but oh my goodness, these players were phenomenal wow. and they were 40 plus. Wow. 
and our team lost heavily. Right. Um, Russia won the gold medal and Germany got the bronze medal. Okay. So that pool was going to be yeah, it's gonna quite a tough one. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Conversely, yeah, our um, women's 50s, and there's a lot more in that pool because a lot more women are playing at that yeah, age. Yeah. Um, so we played the likes of Brazil, fantastic. Argentina, yeah, that's yeah. our first game. Yeah. Um, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, uh, Austria. So we got round, we beat Brazil in the quarterfinal. We got Germany in the semi-final. We struggled, so we lost by 11. No. Um, and we were, we were devastated, but then we heard that actually in Masters Basketball, they award medals for the top four countries. <laughs> so we were like, we could get a medal here. We okay. can believe it after two years of just training. Yeah. Um, and so we're in the bronze medal game. We're up by about three points with so many seconds to go. I don't know what it was. And uh, we lost by one point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but for you know, for our first time of asking yeah, yeah. to get a, a, the iron medal, they call yeah. it. So it's gold, silver, bronze, iron. By one point was uh, a fantastic achievement. Yeah, really. We were absolutely. gutted, but you know, we thought, come on, we can't be that disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> just come just back with a world championship so medal. That's amazing. Um, so that's kind of grown. We decided we would play. That was 2019. And that was the World Championships. We decided we would try and keep the two teams together and play in the European Championship equivalent, which yeah. was in Malaga yeah. in 2020. Of course, COVID hit. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, we had to stop training. Um, but by then, the team had been recognised by Basketball England or the programme itself as a national team programme because we yeah. ran it with physios and, and everything, all the support that you would have. Yeah. So we brought the experience that I had and a few others had from being national team managers and being international players, really, yeah. um, to this setup. So it's moved from a community to an international sure. programme, run Fantastic. as a national team programme, and the four home nations recognise that. Right. And to enable us to continue playing, they included us in their performance pathway. So that's their talent pathway from cradle to grave. Wow. Um, for GB representation. So that's how, how that came about. And we're still training now. Blimey. Mm. I, love, I, love, I love that, though, because my... my my um, my father-in-law actually he's, he's 72 he plays for England over 70s there you go football um, and he's going to the World Cup in Denmark really in fabulous and I, but I just I love the fact that just from different age groups yeah. that people because like you say to keep fit and active mm. it, that's one great thing but to do it in a sport that you've loved and yeah. played all your life as well and yeah. to carry on doing yeah, it at yeah, that yeah. Le and at that level that's recognised yeah. as well and still yeah. be because you still got that because it's great to still go and maybe have a game with some friends mm. and stuff but if you've been a, especially an athlete and at the level you've played, still got that competitive yeah. nature that you go, yeah. that you can maybe only sometimes, as great, as soon as we cross that line and you want to play, you're still going to win whether it's against friends mm. or not. But to play at a level yeah. where you know there's something And to represent stuff, your and country. Represent, just yeah. incredible. And I think, you know, it was a bit of a, again, I had my eyes open back in the 80s, but to be playing Masters basketball and seeing that across the world, it's like a worldwide movement. Yeah. The, the gym, I couldn't even get in at the end. It was the men's 80-plus final, standing room only. Really? <laughs> Fantastic. And, they, you know, and well, it was incredible that they were still playing. You oh, know, that's bullet, Unbelievable. Yeah. And not walking. Yeah. They were still, still playing, so it wasn't I've, walking I've, basketball. I've got a question for you, though, I, um, because it's always intrigued me. I think when you watch basketball, um, and to the uninitiated... Perhaps when you watch basketball, 
um, there's certain moves and certain points mm -hmm. that are real get-your-crowd-out-your-seat moments. Yeah. Um, and in my head, I've always thought of the three-pointer from a distance mm. that's the one that gets everyone up and out of their mm. seat. Mm. Would you agree or would you say that there's... there's um, uh. what, what's, the, what's the hardest play to make that makes that difference? I'd say probably the slam dunk, uh, that's <laughs> actually. Yeah. That's you... too, that was too easy. That's <laughs> right. I didn't want to bloody... <laughs> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to just go for a slam dunk. That would have been too uh, obvious. You got it is. Because you, 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 you still... I mean, how many times have you seen that Michael Jordan yeah. thing where he does the... There's so yeah, much. Just, uh, I think I've watched too much rubbish on YouTube where you see people actually yeah. fail really badly <laughs> and miss yeah. the Three-point three shots are, are fabulous, particularly if it's to tie the game at the end or right. to... Because it can make the difference. You know, if you're... If, if, if you're two points down and you need to win, yeah. then you want the three-point yeah. shot and you want it with one second to go so they can't shoot down the yeah. other end. And, okay. uh, and that's the excitement with basketball. I guess mm. love for me, like, and, and I've watched, it's I, I've watched it, but it's constantly and right up until that, literally, yeah. that, like, because you could like in football, if the keep, keeper's got it at one end yeah. and you've got a minute left to go, or, you, yeah. you're just never going to yeah. basketball. You haven't no, got the opportunity. You can't do, to do that. that. You've so got to get it in. Literally up until yeah. the and it's very, very tactical. So even if you've got 14 seconds left and you've lost possession, the opposition will automatically call a timeout and take the ball down the opposite end because they can do. Yeah. And that's one way of sort of keeping possession down their end. Of course, yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's all sorts of tactics, but yeah, slam dunk. I've never done one, obviously. I'm too short. <laughs> yeah, I might, but, I might struggle uh, with one. To actually, I'll get on your shoulders. You know, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. spectacular <laughs> because sometimes you get on a fast break and there's nobody defending you as a, as a player and you just... It's just aerial acrobatics, isn't it? Yeah, and it just yeah. looks fabulous. It does. It is, <laughs> it, it's the showboating. Yeah, so it, like, is, like, it is good. Look at the, like I say, the Michael Jordan side. So like what's, what's, what's your proudest moment, then, Sadie, as a basketball player? Oh, my goodness. Because there's, there's, you've said a lot, but I'm really intrigued. I don't know. Uh, Do you want to come back to me? <laughs> I can't think of I mean, have you They've scored the winning points of a massive game in the last <sighs> few seconds, like we've just been talking about? Or? I think I have scored one in a game. I used to play for um, Brighton Magic when we played Div 2. Right. And I do remember six seconds to go, putting up a jump shot from a corner, fade away, so I was falling backwards, and it swished, and we won the game. Wow. So okay. might not have been fantastic for international purposes, but it was good but for it was our a team. Euphoric moment it for was you. It was indeed. Um, lots of nice opportunities and things to remember to look back on, I suppose. Um, oh gosh. Don't worry. Don't uh, don't, don't don't worry. Can't think that's really. that's don't worry. A, that, that, that was a hard question. Yeah. There's it's something about that as well. Like you referenced that shooting that mm. goal and that the. Their, their moments live with you, don't mm. they, forever? And that there's something you can't like score in a score in a winning goal in yeah. the last minute of a game, whatever that looks you, like. You're yeah. still dreaming of that moment, aren't you, Sam? Yeah, it's plenty in the locker. I can, I can remember. I'll talk you through one. I know. I mean, mainly they're probably at, at you know at lower level where you're with your friends and it means a lot yeah. for you yeah, to yeah. win. You yeah. know, not so yeah. much the international stuff. Yeah. Um, although I loved, I do love that the international competition. It's still yeah. such a buzz to be walking behind your flag and. And, okay. and whatever, oh, but yeah. you know, I can remember going for a, again. It was a national league game with with Brighton Magic. We had to travel down to Plymouth, and we only had five players. Wow! And we were not expecting to win that game, and we won it. Really? By, I think one point. Wow! It was it was 
Yeah, it was. Talk. I have to yeah, say, yeah. I remember that. Um, with our coach, he was just, I can't believe we did this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we Fantastic. just kept going. And that had to be tactical because obviously you only get five fouls in the whole yeah. game. Yeah. And we literally had to be, well, just tactically aware as to when to expend a foul and when not to, when to take your timeouts to give your players a rest, yeah. all that kind of thing. Yeah. Let's let's move on to to Active Sussex, if I may. Mm. I mean, Active Sussex has been going for a long time, yes, um, and it's one of two thousand and one, two thousand and one, mm. and it's been well, it's one of forty two. Am I right? Yes, Partnerships yeah, across the yeah. UK. Got that one right. No, <laughs> mate, we're done. Thanks. Um, can I get? Yeah, one <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, Where does Sussex? Rank if if that ever happens amongst the partnerships because you've been at the helm um, for over sixteen years. About that, yeah. yeah. Two thousand and five, I joined. Um, I'd say we're probably um, we're one of the larger partnerships by geography because right. we cover two counties in the city, right. um, and we've always had a very very good relationship with our funding organisation, Sport England. Right. Um, so when it comes to initiatives and you know the team themselves, the staff that we have are all committed. Mm. They understand why they're there. It's not just a job to them. Mm. Um, so really committed to the sport, really. And it's shifted from being sport for sport's sake to sport for social good and just being very, very fit mm. and very, very healthy, and the mental health benefits, the whole thing. We've just moved along with that. Mm. And I'd say that, you know, we are one of the um, higher ranked partnerships. Sport England stopped doing all that ranking now, but uh, yeah. thankfully. Um, but at the time, I'd have said we were up there because yeah. I think we, we showed ourselves to be willing to take on the initiatives um, to try it out. We're quite a unique county in, well, unique, I suppose, in my view. But, you know, we've got rurality, we've got the coastal issues, we've got a few cities. So it's quite a mix yeah. of populations albeit not um, in terms of minority ethnic populations, but it's, dif it's different in terms of um, not even lifespan, really. I would say, you know, you've got a, quite a lot of older population right along the coastal bit. You've got pockets of deprivation. You've got pockets where people just don't have the transport or access to facilities. Mm -hmm. So they're quite isolated. It's very, very different yeah. across the piece. Mm. But it's about the, the charity is about leading a healthier, lifestyle. more active lifestyle, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But it's changed it hasn't has. it, over the last couple of years. Mm, for sure. Because of COVID? Yeah, yeah. definitely. How, how has it changed? Well, I'd say that in the run up to COVID, we were, you know, you'd see all the kids out playing. Uh, we'd be running athletics and all sorts at school games, parallel youth games. That, of course, came to stand still no face-to-face -face activity yeah, yeah. and a lot of people just felt immediately either stuck in their homes excluded no social interaction which plays a lot on people's minds yeah. um, particularly young people's a lot of evidence to suggest that and Sport England used the whole active partnership network to get funds to grassroots and yeah. I thought that was the best thing they could ever have done so the red tape was reduced so we're still accountable to government but um, we were able to get funds out to community voluntary sector organisations that really used activity to help people's mental health and to keep them fit at home. So you saw a lot of activity that went from being outdoors or in facilities to being in people's houses. Now, quite clearly, if you're, you don't have access to the internet, then you are digitally excluded. Yeah. That's the term. But the majority of people could either access what they needed to on a smartphone, 
Yeah. Uh, most people have one. We know 94% of people have them. Right. You know, we were getting funds into all sorts of organisations that were able to deliver online activities. And yeah. that was the great thing about the network. They were able to mobilise yeah. and get to a lot of organisations that Sport England never even heard of. In fact, we've never heard of. Right. You know, okay. and they were coming to us because we were advertising online through um, Instagram, through all sorts of media yeah. to so keep people give me active. Some examples of who we're talking about. Um, Defiant Sports in Eastbourne. Right. Um, certainly some of our award winners at the at, um, at the Sussex Sports Awards last week. Last week? Last year, even. <laughs> yeah. um, it all blurs, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> we were talking earlier about Crawley Eagles and yeah. the funding that they got to, to do stuff. That's a, um, that's a cricket club, sorry. Um, and, yeah, I know. Like, everyone knows who Crawley <laughs> yeah. Eagles are. Yeah, come on. Uh, yeah, get with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, at first, a lot of it was online, and uh, I suppose once we were permitted to go outdoors yeah. and do some activity, um, you know, you had well, just all sorts, all mm -hmm. sorts. There was one in particular that got me, um, and that was over in Hastings, a, a lady, Jacqueline Yulden, who runs... Uh, an organisation called Running Space, and it's for people who have either attempted or, or well, yeah, attempted suicide and have mental health problems. Yeah. And she used the medium of running and buddying to really get people's self-confidence up, um, and it's all outdoors, so it was fine oh, during yeah. COVID. And the way that that organisation reached people and used those pe the same people that were in a dark place so many years ago to then become mentors and runners themselves, Absolutely. that to me is a power of sport. Yeah, you know, I, and I, it didn't take much investment either, just wow. enough yeah. to um, keep the tea room going because it was social aspect as well yeah, as yeah. the physical aspect. Yeah. Um, small investment went a long way. That's incredible, and that, like you know, you, we sort of look at over the last couple of years, and certainly from a mental health point of view, mm. uh, if, from you know kids to adults to everyone, we've been affected mm. somewhere along that line, haven't we? With you know, with, with what COVID brought to the table, so, and you're right, sport is the thing that mm. you know for me that one bit of exercise to go out of a yeah. day and go out yeah. for me run of a morning when you're juggling homeschooling yeah. and, yeah. and businesses and trying and to do things. And that, that's that why I feel that, that, you know, um, people say, you know, sport's not important or whatever or it's discretionary, but actually it was the one of the three things you could do during yeah. COVID, physical yes. activity, yeah. was... 100% selected by the government. That's how important it is yeah. to stay active. Yeah, I, 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 couldn't agree, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think exactly that. I think it, it, it helps so many people. Mm. Sport, like, you know, obviously, you know, I do firm balls and stuff like that. And one of the main things that I think with the five-a-side football, irrespective of the networking side of it, and which mm. we do promote, is the health and well-being. And yeah. Staff, when I speak to people about it, getting people active on a regular basis yeah. is is, the, is so important mm. for uh, mental health. For I sure, think, for yeah. sure. And I think I, I think COVID highlighted that it so much. It definitely did. So it definitely much. did. And unfortunately, during COVID, physical activity levels actually did go down yeah, in of terms of yeah. Um, yeah. what people could do, because yeah. obviously you could only go out for a walk or cycle yeah, yeah, for the hour and that yeah. was it yeah. um, so if you didn't have a bike or well, you could go out and walk I guess yeah. but yeah yeah nice no, that's, that's amazing when did you when did you know when when you first got involved um, with Active Sussex did, mm. did you start you didn't come in as a chief executive did you I did, yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Right, okay. I mean, we were um, so all employed yeah, I was, by... I was going to skip past that. I was going <laughs> to skip past that. We were all employed by the University of Brighton because they were 
politically neutral. So I yeah. suppose, you know, Sport England weren't sure, not weren't sure, um, couldn't decide, is that the right term? Who the grant should go to because it was a yeah. Sussex wide body. And right. at the time we had the three, uh, well, actually at the time we had East Sussex and West Sussex, Brighton yeah. and Hove came along later, yeah, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So true. whilst all the other active partnerships, most of them, their funds went to the local authority for yeah. the county level. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, they didn't know how to split it, so they got, they went to the university. Right. So there were about seven active partnerships that had university mm. hosts, okay. whereby, you know, in the particular area, there were too many unitary organisations to hold the money, so it went to the university. So University of Brighton hosted us up until 2007, right. eight, okay. and I took them from being hosted into an independent charity right. because in terms of governance it was far easier to operate yeah. um, rather than being lost within the university's um, yeah. financial coffers, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and, you, and you've, you've, you've quite clearly been able to transfer the skills that you developed yeah, during in, basketball, yeah. you know, which you obviously still carry on playing. Mm. But I mean, you've, and you've taken that into the world of business with Active Sussex because, yeah. of course, the charity relies on mm. local businesses and commercial support. It, it does to an extent. It doesn't. It, it used to rely on some of it, but actually, by now, we're probably around ninety-eight percent funded by Sport England. Ninety-eight percent. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But a lot of the previous. Um, you know, when I first started, we would be looking to business to support things like the parallel use games for children with disabilities because mm. that wasn't included in some of the um, narrow initiatives that Sport England were asking us to deliver. Mm. Um, and more and more, it's become more inclusive. And so parallel use games can actually take place within the school games. But actually, our, our um, children, young people and carers were saying they want an event specifically for them because, you know, we would take over the whole of um, the Triangle Leisure Centre, pretty much, yeah, for yeah. one day for, yeah. for their little mini-event. And yeah. that's where business would come in to help support that event. And it wouldn't cost that much because um, the kids' carers came with them from school. Mm. Um, so it was just literally a matter of adapting the building to make sure that it was accessible yeah, yeah, yeah. and that all the events we wanted to do for the children and young people were safe. Mm. Um, but a fantastic event for, for business to get involved in. Yeah. And, you know, if ever you want your local MP to show up, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's they, true. Was, it? They would be there um, supporting it. Um, to be fair to them, they would stay for the whole event and really try and understand yeah. the importance yeah. of physical activity to children with disabilities. And it's not just being in the wheelchair, it's the cognitive development as well, the social yeah. aspect, seeing other children like themselves around um, yeah. taking part and that really did support um, the whole business to community piece very very well because yeah. it wasn't just a quick donation and, and pat yeah. on the back yeah, yeah. it was literally this is the difference impact. we're yeah. making yeah see that yeah. impact then when you come in yeah. as a business and you, we, 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 you know everyone talks about quite corporate social responsibility and mm. what that looks like but when you I think it's great when charity organisations are able to say well this is what your money actually yeah, does because yeah. we do like you say so many businesses just go oh I need to do me yeah. I'm going to tick that CSR box and I'll just donate yeah. some money but, mm. they, don't know where yeah, the but they don't know no, no, no. You no. Don't know where I like, think it's very important to know yeah. where it's going and that's why I feel that um, you know going back to this whole governing body stakeholder confidence thing if that investor knows that that governing body is being operated properly and those funds are going to reach the end user as much as possible, we all know that some has to go to admin, that's fair enough. But if you've got that proper vision and proper plan that says 
you know, I know that the parallel use games is going to cost me £3,000 because you need X, Y and Z for, for court hire or for um, a particular set of adjusted basketballs, for example, yeah, 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 or sure. whatever. Then they know that they're making the difference. You're not yeah. just scooting the money away. Yeah, you you are using that. it because that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah, you know? nice. And it, like you say, it just makes it so much more valuable. You know, I'm giving that money, yeah. that is where it's going, and I can go and watch that. Exactly. And kids actually participate in that yeah. sport. I think that's, that's fantastic. Mm. Well, one, one thing I wanted to touch is where you sort of mentioned about the transferable sort of skills, because obviously then as a CEO, because how many staff then have you got active? So Only 12 of us. Really? Mm. So managing a team of that... that, that like Lawrence has sort of alluded to with the transferable skills being in a team environment mm. and, and as a captain or a, 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 and getting the initiative that you've got off the ground mm. them sort of skills especially from a leadership point of view taking yeah. into as a CEO the, the, have you found that? It's been very useful um, I'm a great people watcher and I always think that in your team there are leaders at every level Mm. And and that's such a true thing, you know. Yeah. That's not something that I I made up, but it is, it's true. Yeah. And if you allow your team to lead in the areas that they are good at, they're going to excel. Yeah. So, for example, you won't catch me organising the Sussex Sports Awards. That is totally Ed Sporte. Yeah. He he. In terms yeah, of event true. management, all the little detail, he knows exactly what he's doing. And for that, for those six months that lead up to that event. He's, he's in his element, yeah. you know, and as chief exec, I'd just say, show me the budget, demonstrate value, here's the money. And that, that's my job. Yeah. Um, and then he will instruct us. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's quite a... Oh, when did he join us? I think he came straight out of university. I think it might have been his first job. Oh, wow. So we've seen him grow from, you know, he had his 21st birthday with us. <laughs> he's, we've been to his wedding. Wow. He's had a child, you know, so it's like watching your team grow. And, yeah. and he, he's just an awesome young person. I've, I've, really, I've really is. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a great... He's and a great his attention leader. to detail, his leadership on the day, I think is just testament to what sport can do. It really does mm. allow people at every level to lead in their expert areas, mm. in areas that they're good at. And but, that's the trick of a CEO is not to yeah. impose yourself, is yeah. to allow your team to lead and do what's good. I think that's great, yeah, that, that, that's such that's great cool. advice, yeah, that's such great advice from, and from a business owner and, and business, I talk about culture on, on, on the other podcast quite, quite a bit, um, and so f f for me, listening to you talk as well, that's why I like doing the sport and business one, it's so, so important to me, I think it's great because culture, I, I, I used to run a hair salon mm -hmm. in another lifetime, I've got that culture really wrong went in there I know it was another lifetime mate it was another lifetime back in the day <laughs> <laughs> went well then yeah <laughs> that's why I'm doing this now that's so cheeky <laughs> sorry he made, he made the point last time that he was the only one in the room with hair anyway oh, but, um, but yeah it's, it's such a, I think it's such a valuable thing to, to learn I'm, I'm constantly looking at learning how mm. as a leader whatever I can develop and, and listening to and that's such great advice mm. I think because you you can sometimes go in with a preconception I, I did at the salad when you know a preconception mm. of what it was like to be a leader yeah. I had to be a boss yeah. so I had to be sick. Like, I'm quite a happy go lucky yeah. friendly guy and I was like just this serious like no you can't do it all. Mm. I just got it completely wrong so you, you learn from them things but listening to advice like that I think you know sports listeners business listeners people uh, 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 our audience will take so much from mm. that because I think it's 
I think is spot on, really. Yeah. Allowing Agreed. people to lead Definitely. At, at different levels. That's, mm. that's amazing. Talk, talking of leading, mm. um, where where's the future for Active Sussex in Ooh. terms of you leading it? Um, well, Do you like that? Question, I don't question. know. Well, good question. Well, Thanks. the government told us we can only retire at 67 if we want our pension, so I've got some time left. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that. I don't know. I think I'm looking to develop um, our next chief executive level of staff. I'm already training um, and created roles for that. So I think that I'm already part-time because I've gone from five days a week now to three. Okay. Um, because obviously I still have to care for my son. Um, well, joint care, my husband, because um, yeah. Daniel has autism. So he's uh, 24. Okay. Ooh, yeah, 24 now. So gradually, I think, stepping back from the role, yeah. I would say maybe in three years' time that I will have probably moved on. Okay. But trying to keep my hand in sport, physical activity, health, public health, maybe looking at non-executive roles where I can still yeah. use the knowledge that I've gained over the over the years yeah, and yeah. just supporting, really. But for Active Sussex, um, I think the next five years is quite key in COVID recovery and helping us to rebuild, reinvent sports, try and level the playing field. I know the government has a levelling up agenda. Mm. But if you think about the different sectors that we work in, they've all got this microcosm, this their own sort of economy and the sport is sport is no different mm. different levels different issues you know whether it's gender equality race equality financial inequalities health inequalities it's all there mm. in in the leisure sector and uh, I think over the next five years we ought to be learning and developing on from COVID because that really highlighted where oh, the yeah. inequalities were yeah. and we should be diverting our um, our funding, our expertise towards levelling that playing field. Okay. Mm. I've, got, um, I've got sort of a one-stroke two question, combined one to, to ask of... Um, yeah, is that all right? Yeah, mate, you go for it. It's like the last thing. I've just... I've just um, you were awarded... I know we kind of skipped it, and I think it's quite important. <laughs> you were awarded an MBE back in 2014, 14, yeah. weren't you? Did you have any idea that was coming? Nope. <laughs> not at all. And what, what, I, I mean, was what, shocked. There's <laughs> not many people I meet that are MBEs. Yeah. Mm. In fact, I have to say you're probably the... Yeah, there's less than a handful mm. over, over the last 30 years. So I, 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 I do not know what's involved. I mean, what, what, what actually... How did um, it come about? Well, I... Th I, I have no idea how it came about. All, <laughs> I, all I know is a letter arrived on my doorstep, which I thought was fake. You know, it had, right. like, the royal crest on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is a bit of marketing or something, you know, a little portcullis thing. And uh, so I opened it up and it said, uh, oh, yeah, do you know what? I can't even remember what it said. I've still got the letter somewhere. Um, You've got it framed on the wall. Oh, don't I, I don't give me that. <laughs> I would do. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I, know. I make sure everyone knew. Yeah. Oh, I told you about um, it. You've my letter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had no idea. I said to my husband, do you think this is real? <laughs> I said, do you think this is real? And he wow. read it through and he said, yeah, I think it is. Wow. Um, so, Because so someone nominates. Yeah, you know, I, I, I right? don't know the exact process, but I, I believe they nominate you. Now, I have seen the citation now, which you normally don't get to see, but and I can't remember who see it. But do you know what? It was my boss at the time, so the head of um, sport and recreation, someone that 
Sport England and someone else in my office, I think it was Sally, had got together. And you know how you raid everyone's information from social media to find out about them? Well, they'd obviously done that. And they knew about my basketball as well. Um, So I'd been a London 2012 volunteer and I'd done, obviously, the work with Basketball England, supporting the uh, under-18 team. Um, And then generally just running basketball, some basketball locally. Um, And next thing you know, yeah, they said, you know, all of that is being done in the context of looking after a child with a disability, and which very few people knew as well at work, really. Um, so, yeah, I think I was just rather gobsmacked to so you, be... You go and see the Queen, don't you? Yeah. Did, it was her grandson. Did... It was um, Prince William okay. who did the investiture, right. and the whole thing was very surreal. Yeah. From arriving at Buckingham Palace, I took, took the train up from Sussex and we were on the eight o'clock commuter train. Everybody else in our glad racks <laughs> in my posh frock. I don't wear frocks very often. Um, you didn't get your limo all the way. Well, we were going to drive, but then we thought about getting stuck in traffic and being late. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to be late for that. <laughs> no, and then we got to Victoria just on time because the, the train did get delayed. And we're like, oh, for goodness sake. And then we said, oh, should we walk from Victoria to Buckhouse? I'm like, in these heels? No. Yeah. And my daughter was tottering along on her heels as well so we got a taxi and that dropped you off outside back in Paris and then you had to walk across this gravel and I was like in these hills yeah. I was like <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there walking across and get me basketball got, trainers on oh, and I'll be. <laughs> you know what I should have done really because that's the thing isn't it you put your trainers on to commute and then you put your <laughs> yeah, nice yeah, shits yeah, on yeah, and you yeah, get exactly. there yeah, should have yeah. done that um, and you go into this huge room so your family goes off to another room where they as the audience I suppose and um, you're in the room with all the other recipients and they give you the, the programme and I'm reading through and I'd arrived on time and, but they take you through in batches of six and you, you pretty much go in a, a circle whereby you go from one room to the next, you get the little pin yeah, yeah. put onto you where yeah. they're going to hook it on then they tell you what's going to happen and you just literally follow through and they tell you when you're allowed to shake hands, when you're allowed to curtsy and all this kind of thing. Okay. Um, but... <laughs> Before then, I didn't realise I was actually in the room with Daniel Day-Lewis, the oh, actor, wow. really? who wow. was receiving his knighthood. <gasps> wow. And I totally had missed that fact because I was so busy looking at all the artwork in this place. Oh. And like, they take your mobile phone off you so you can't take any photos. Yeah, good call, yeah. yeah. I did sneak mine in. <laughs> <laughs> so, got a photo of the Royal Lou. Um, <laughs> got oh, a no. picture of that on the wall. We're not yeah, yeah, next yeah, to yeah, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to get another telegram through the post tomorrow. Now you've admitted that. Um, And I thought to myself, who else? There was someone else that got an investiture as well. He was a member of parliament and was a sports minister previously, and his name escapes me, but he got a double knighthood. Wow. Um, But anyway, the fact that, you know, that was one of my favourite films to watch was My Left Foot. I was in the room with him and didn't know. I was like, ah! Wow. And incredible. anyway, there were lots of people from from um, lifeguards to um, police, um, people that had done good deeds and things like this. Absolutely phenomenal. And they just l- walk you through, literally, as I say, you put your pin on, they say when you're allowed to go forward and then you get ushered forward to go and speak and right. shake hands. And wow. yeah, it was Prince William. And uh, I guess they have a, a, an earpiece in so they can talk to you about yeah. you know, what you've done. So he asked yeah. me how, how the national teams were doing and... 
you know, and I sort of said to him, you know, I actually met your parents in 1983 in Edmonton because they'd only been married a couple of years and they came out on a tour of the Commonwealth and they came to the World University Games. And I remember speaking to Charles who said to me, "Um, so what do you play? I said, basketball. He goes, you're not very tall, are you? (laughs) (laughs) That's all he said. That's hilarious. And Princess Diana just sort of wandered by looking very nice as as she did. But wow, yeah, that was. Wow. I said what to did, him. What did what Prince William say when you he said? He just sort of smiled. Right. Mm. Okay, didn't yeah. say. Yeah. But Amazing yeah. experience. Though, Very, sure. yeah. 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 And then that's it. It's over yeah. and done within three minutes, pretty much. Wow. You chat and then Fantastic. you just walk on, you put your little badge on, and you can come and sit with your family. Oh, I love that. Here's, mm. here's my question, though. This is, here's my uh, coup de grace. Um, don't know if you know this, Sam, that Sadie is a, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, um, just changing the subject, she's mm. a massive West Ham United fan. Okay. <laughs> Is this where we wrap up now? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, it, could, it could be worse. Because oh, she, did you notice you mentioned at the beginning Crystal Palace, so it could be worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, she's a massive West Ham fan, <laughs> and um, West Ham are, are doing pretty well at the moment mm-hmm. um, uh, under Dev, David Moyes' yes. second second, second, term. Yeah, second yeah. term at the club. Um, now my question is this: Right, you got your MBE in one hand, yeah, and you got West Ham playing in Europe this season. Mm. I think I know the answer to that one, so maybe I'll step it up a little bit more. West Ham in Champions League. Yes. Or your MBE. Mm. You've if to get West Ham in the Champions League or winning the league. Let's let's push the <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or winning the league. And you've it's got really your, going to dream and, 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 yeah, and then you've got your MBE in <laughs> the other end. If West to West Ham to win, you've got to give your MBE back. Sorry, what, do you, what, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> Sorry, West Ham. <laughs> Good on you. Good on you. Yeah, bless you. Yeah, no, they're doing pretty well, aren't they? They are, yeah. Good. And, um, yeah, I think to be an up, a West Ham fan, you just have to have a, a strong... Strong heart, really. Yeah. Up and down, up and down. Yeah, like, no, no. Well, I'm not too far. I'm, I'm a Spurs fan, so oh, well, um, I'm, 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 the, I'm the same. Uh, no, uh, well, we don't win nothing, do we? He did yesterday. We did, we, I was Five there. One tanking. Beat, I was there where we beat you three one the other week. Actually, sorry, sorry, say I shouldn't have mentioned that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> What have I started? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Rep up, rep up. Try, try, live, try living with a, with a Liverpool fan, because my oh, husband wow. is a Liverpool supporter, so, yeah. He's quite gracious, though, apart from when Steven Gerrard sort of scored that goal from halfway to... Oh, the, <laughs> We yeah. lost the FA Cup 3-2. Oh, yeah, that was it, yeah. No, it went to extra time. Uh, went to penalties. 3-3, I wasn't it? I can't remember what that it was. was. No, that was the equaliser in the last minute oh, of extra was it? time. was yeah. it? Mm. Went to penalties, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Moving, yeah. moving swiftly on. Well, I, I'm, I, I, I think we're. Unless you've yeah. got any questions, Mate, uh, this, this, Sadie, absolute pleasure to meet you. Really and you. Been, and thanks, thanks for coming on. I think. Yeah, it's thank you welcome. so much, Sadie. It's been absolutely brilliant. And um, look, look forward to seeing more. Of, obviously, from Active Sussex, I think what you guys do there is is amazing. I, I said I've met Ed a few times, mm. and um, I think with the awards and everything that you guys do is is amazing and getting people. Active yeah. and playing sport is, is I mean, such an important message. So. It's a great place to work. I mean, if yeah. you go into our office on the wall, it just says "Make a difference," and that's what we want to do. Yeah. You know, it might be a cliche, really but those are our values. Yeah. We, we yeah. do want to do that. Well, you, you really are definitely. Mm. It's amazing. Thank you, Sadie. So, You're welcome. So thanks for coming on. And uh, that is a wrap, sir. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Beautiful. Stuff. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.